0: Welcome to Tropeful, a podcast looking at how trope influences our understanding of our texts. I'm Cantor David Reimbold, and this is a special episode looking at the book of Jonah, our four-chapter Haftarah, chanted on Yom Kippur afternoon. And it's specifically the only time we chant this all year long. In advance of the chanting of a text that a lot of people look forward to, I thought I would offer a little insight into the book, and explore the experience of chanting this book in English. Thanks for joining me. About four years ago, I got an idea after having heard several of my colleagues do this in the past. What if we chanted the Book of Jonah, and not just part of it, but the entire book in English? This English in our moxor, Mishkan HaNefesh, is particularly poetic, and I thought it would lend itself really well to this practice. So I got my colleague, Cantor Shannon mcgrady Bain on board, and we split the four chapters in half, each of us working at moving over the trope to the English. Now, parsing the trope from the Hebrew to English is actually no easy task. Biblical Hebrew tends to be much more concise than any English translation, and I will say that the English in Mishkan Hanefesh, while incredibly poetic, is rarely concise. So there are a lot of decisions to be made. Which words are you going to string together to make a phrase that really does not exist in the Hebrew? This is because a single Hebrew word can translate into two or three English words or more, given that there are prepositions and possessives tacked on to the root word before and after that root. Sometimes a single Hebrew verb is also not easily described by a single English word, and this actually happens quite often. Now, the biggest issue of them all, the order of the Biblical Hebrew grammar is often reverse of what we would find in English. Biblical Hebrew grammar almost always places the verb before the noun. When translating, this isn't such a big deal. One gets used to the patterns of the Hebrew, and you do a mental switch before translating them. However, when dealing with the trope, the trope appears in its common patterns— patterns which cannot be switched around given the nature of how trope works, and even if you could switch them around you would be undoing the effects of the trope upon the language, and those are the magical tropeful connections after all. So there were a lot of interpretive decisions to be made, but I can safely say in our Reinwald Bain chanted version of the English, we always looked very closely for tropes that were making the text stand out in one way or another, and we tried our very best to keep those tropes connected with their English meanings where possible. In that way, many of the moments that are supposed to stand out in the Hebrew can be found doing the same in the English. Unfortunately, there are times when doing this is its just impossible without rewriting the trope, and that we never did. We always wanted to stay as close to the tradition as possible. I'm now going to share with you a few of the highlights that I love best. In the first chapter, I love as we arrive at the second verse on the phrase, Get up! The trope it literally makes this command one that sounds like Jonah's mother yelling and berating him. Here are the first two verses of chapter one. And the word
1: of Adonai came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim against it, for their evil deeds have
0: risen up before me. There are some other interesting moments when the suspended Gershaim trope, Gershaim, is used later in the same chapter, verse 6. Here, the uncertainty of perhaps is highlighted, followed by the height of the word God following it, and then the word kind sits low with the people. Let me sing this for you in context. And the captain approached
1: him and said to him, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call to your God. Perhaps the God will be kind to us
0: and we will not perish. And not only do we have that perhaps God will be kind to us, a melodic uh, interpretation there. But once again, we have this berating of Jonah. What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up again. A different trope here, yetive. But it has the same impact, almost to say, this is the second time we're saying get up. Get up. Get up. It's a little bit firmer in its command. Now, finally, in verse 6. Jonah seems to be praying. So just listen to the treatment of the name Adonai. And he said to them, I am
1: a Hebrew, I revere Adonai, God of heaven, who made sea and dry
0: land. It is also amazing how the trope adds drama to the story, and this drama is all action. It is the anger of the men asking Jonah what he has done in verse 10, just like we saw in verse 6. The men felt great fear,
1: and they asked him, What have you
0: done? And I love that stress on the what have you, what have you That action and that anger, it's so present in the connection of the melody directly to the text. And the melody of the trope literally follows the very words Jonah says back to them in verse 12.
1: So he said to them, lift me up and hurl me into the sea.
0: And so we see action straight through the melody as the book of jonah continues on there are moments when the trope begins to depict the picturesque surroundings of the water and of the city of nineveh we hear the rise and fall of the melody as it depicts jonah standing at the base of semi-metaphorical mountains of his life in chapter 2 he speaks of his unease with being cast into the depths of the sea and notably he's at the depth the lowest depth of the mountain. There are so many amazing moments in the chanting of this book that I wish I could, but I can't sing all of them for you, unfortunately. Now, if you are local here in Orange County, California, you can come to my congregation on Wednesday afternoon and hear it chanted. Hint, hint. I am also so grateful that last year, many of my colleagues were contacting me and borrowing... Cantor, Bain, and my chanted English text, and they put this idea into use in their own congregations. If you attend or attended any one of these congregations that chanted the English of Jonah uh, this year or in past years, I would love to hear feedback from you on what you thought of this experience. My own congregants have fallen in love with this new tradition. After all, as the afternoon days of Yom Kippur kicks in... There is nothing better than to actually be able to connect with this text in a deep way. It keeps you awake and keeps you hungry for more, for more text and prayer, that is, right? This book saves its most florid trope, its use of the Pazer trope, for the very final verse of the entire book. This is chapter 4, verse 11, in the Hebrew, it is sung on Yesh-bah. is in it. That is the literal translation of yesh Now, No, in, in it, in what? In the city, that is, in the place of Nineveh. But what is in it? Well, if you read on to the end of the book, you'll see 120,000 human beings unable to tell their right hand from their left. So why is the trope so focused on the place, on the place of Nineveh. And in fact, we sing this florid trope in our Mishkan HaNefesh translation on the word place.
1: Place.
0: Why does the trope favor the place over the people? Hmm. Is that not unlike what Jonah does in his limited perspective on the calamity surrounding him? He only focuses on himself, and he doesn't actually see those in need of his assistance. Well, that's my initial take on what the trope is trying to do and trying to say. And this is why I always love the simplicity of what the trope can say in such a concise manner, in a single trope. Just like the very nature of Torah, with a single trope or a single word, the trope can say everything. I wish you all Gemar Hatimatova as we bring this high holiday season of 5779 to a close. And in this new year, may you all be tropeful.